world government, world religion, precursors to the mark of the beast, the Israel-Palestinian peace agreement, World War III, and great end-time revival. These are the events we should be watching right now. According to the prophecies of the Bible, so much prophecy is being fulfilled in the news. Stay tuned for another rapid-fire prophecy update on this edition of the End Time Show. World government, world religion, mark of the beast, Israel-Palestinian peace agreement, World War III, and great end-time revival. You know, a lot of times when I say world government, many people's eyes just kind of glaze over. World government, Dave, what are you talking about? World religion, precursors to the mark of the beast. That seems like almost uh, Twilight Zone stuff, right? doesn't seem like we'd be going through that in our world where, hey, I'm just trying to make a living and I'm trying to send my kids to school and save up a little bit that when I pass on someday I can leave it to my kids and just continue the cycle on and on and on, right? But the Bible says in the end time, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a world government established. There will be a world religion established. There's going to be a global economic sanctioning system established and in practice. There's going to be a Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement signed seven years prior to that second coming. There's going to be a World War III that happens right around that time. And so, folks, we're living through these things right now. I, I know that we're dealing with inflation and we're dealing with corrupt elections. We're dealing with all kinds of things going on in our world. But these are the things that we should be watching for right now. And so I'm going to get through as many of these as I can. I've got so many articles today. I had probably 40 articles that I wanted to go through on the program. There's no way I'll get to all that, but I'm going to get through as many as I can and try to help educate you a little bit on what's going on in our world. Not what they want you to know, but what's really going on. So let me see if I can't set up this first one here. Um, The Mark of the Beast equals economic sanctioning. Always remember that. When you see all these global numbering systems going off, moving off of cash, off of a physical currency, onto a digital platform so that they can economically sanction people, I want you to understand what's, what's happening. These are precursors of the mark of the beast. Let's start off with world government. And I've been trying to get through this through a, a, a few programs. Haven't been able to get to the whole thing, the whole thing so I thought I'd start off with it today. But I've been talking about G. Edward Griffin a lot. He wrote the book, The Creature from Jekyll Isle. I've been reading the book. It's, on the t- it's, it's right here in the forefront of my mind right now. And I want you to understand how enmeshed we are in this giant cobweb of this international banking and how it's even controlling the United States of America, the economy. It's supposed to be a tro- controlled by the Congress of the United States, but it is not. It's controlled by a banking cartel, a cabal of private bankers. So I want to talk to you today, just to begin with, we're going to get to a lot of different things, but I want to talk to you today about the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. You say, well, Dave, those are located over in Europe somewhere. We don't have to worry about that stuff. Oh, no, no, no. 
They're located in Washington, D.C., folks. The World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. So we're going to talk about it because I want you to see how the economic sanctioning has already began. These are precursors leading up to the Mark of the Beast system and the eventual second coming of Jesus Christ. So, I've been going through um, G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Isle. If you have not read that book, oh man, you're missing it. There's a, I, I'm just now reading the book for the first time ever. And there's, I'm learning so much about this, how the international bankers and the Federal Reserve has control of our banks in America. They've got control of savings and loans, insurance. They're controlling the inflation. They're controlling everything, anything economic. The Federal Reserve controls all of it. Did you know that? Joe Biden signed that um, the uh, re- uh, Inflation Reduction Act. That's a complete joke. He actually come out and said, I'm sorry, I didn't, I, I shouldn't have said that I made a mistake. Because he, he's not controlling inflation. They want, the news media and everybody wants you to think Joe Biden's controlling inflation. But make no mistake, the Federal Reserve is the one that's controlling inflation. Inflation is when uh, the Federal Reserve creates money from nothing and flood, just pours it into society. And it creates so much su- demand, but there's not enough supply. So that raises the prices on everything. And so that's our, our, our Federal Reserve system is the one that's creating this money from absolute thin air, everybody. There's no gold sitting in the bank that's backing that. It's only backed by the good uh, faith of the United States government to come through in a pinch and pay that off. But it all comes down to a tax on the American people. That's what inflation is by these bankers. So let's get off into this. So the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. Now, I, I know that seems like out of reach. What, like, so it's like this beach ball. You're in the water and you're trying to get a beach ball. It's a really big beach ball and you're trying to get it, but you just can't get your, finger, get, you can't get your arms around it, right? But the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank, they were created at a meeting of global financiers and politicians at the Bretton Woods Conference. You say that and some people are like, Bretton Woods Conference, what in the world are you talking about? They're controlling the economies of the world, so we probably ought to know it, right? This, this, was, this was put together back in 1944. And their goals were to, or at least the ones that they talked about in the microphone and in the news, they were to facilitate international trade and stabilize the exchange rates of national currencies. However, the goals that you were never told about, those were quite different. They were the elimination of the gold exchange standard as the basis of currency valuation and the establishment of world socialism. But Dave, you you said socialism, communism, what are you talking about? Those institutions, they have to be located in China or Russia or North Korea. That's not what I said. Both the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank are located right here in Washington, D.C. And they're trying to push socialism globally. You hear what I'm saying, folks? The Bible says the end-time world government is going to be a red seven-headed ten-horned beast, a red, a scarlet-colored, a socialistic, communistic, one-world governing body. They are pushing, pushing, pushing to install socialism and then communism globally. Socialism is the economic wing of it. 
and communism is the political ideology. But they're both synonymous terms. They're both working towards the same goals. It's just different ways of getting there. And so what they're trying to do here in the United States is control our economy to the nth degree, but it all leads to absolute control, folks. And that's what we're going to talk about for a little while on the program. We'll get off into many other topics here, but I want to make sure that I get through this because this is happening in America right now. And I want you to know about it. So we'll get into it when we get back from the break. Very important. Another thing we're going to get into is we'll talk about um, the United States UN Security Council veto power. We'll talk about the world religion and the Parliament of World Religion that started today. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned on what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800-END-TIME. Are you ready for an extraordinary journey to the region that is the focus of more End Time Bible prophecy than any other? Well, look no further. Join us on an unforgettable journey to Israel. Our adventure begins down in Jerusalem, where we will teach on the Mount of Olives, sing at the Garden of Gethsemane, walk down through the Kidron Valley, then we'll make our way north, have a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, while visiting Joppa, Mount Carmel, baptize in the Jordan River, and so much more. Don't miss out on this incredible trip to Israel. Spaces are limited. Book your tour today. Visit endtime.com slash tour or call us at 1-800-END-TIME. Join us for an experience that you will never forget. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back, everybody. You guys just heard the commercial about the Israel tour that we're going to be going on right here between uh, it's October 4th through the 15th. And we're they the girls are needing to ticket here just in another week or so. And so certainly would want to get signed up for that if you're wanting to go with us here in the fall. And what a great trip it's going to be. It looks like it's going to be a, a, a smaller trip uh, as far as the amount of people. It looks like it's going to be maybe 40 or less. So it's going to be a really intimate group. 
We're going to be with you guys all the time. We're going to be, looks like it's only going to be one bus unless we just get flooded with it. We've got a ton of people that want to go in the spring, but it looks like maybe 40 or less that are going to go with us here in the fall. We'll be on one bus together the whole time. It's going to be awesome, and it will truly be an experience that you will never forget, I promise you. I've had pastors tell me, Dave, I've been preaching for decades, and all my stories just changed now that I've seen this stuff firsthand and experienced it. And what a great time it is. So uh, you want to go with us on this Israel tour here in the fall? It's a great time. The weather's perfect, and um, looking forward to that tour. So call 1-800-363-8463. Talk to my wife, Jana, or Brittany Motes, and they will get you signed up for that trip. What a great time it is. And looking forward to that. Now, when we're talking about the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank, the method by which they wanted to, um, which the goal was to be eliminated in international trade, because I think I said this Friday, but the gold was, uh, the gold standard was checks and balances. You got a million dollars of gold sitting in the bank, you can only loan out a million. So inflation was regulated because they only loaned out enough as they had a physical currency backing it that could that was a checks and balances. They couldn't just create it out of thin air. So it, it worked pretty good, right? Well, that's gone. And the method by which the gold was to be eliminated in international trade was to replace it with a world currency, which the International Monetary Fund, acting as a world central bank, would create out of nothing. This is the problem. When somebody needs to borrow money from these institutions, they're not doing one thing to create money. In other words, they're not uh, building a widget or they're not in real estate or blah, blah, blah. They're just creating, hey, uh, Zimbabwe, you need a billion, you need $10 billion? Sure, no problem. We'll loan that to you. Click, 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 a couple little clicks on a computer, and there's $10 billion in your account. Where'd that money come from? Oh, we just created it from thin air. Folks, this is going on in international banking every single day. You understand? It's called the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, our central bank in the United States, the Federal Reserve. They create money out of thin air. The method by which world socialism was to be established was to use the World Bank to transfer money disguised as loans to the governments of the underdeveloped countries and to do so in such a way as to ensure the demise of free enterprise, i.e. the United States of America. The money was to be delivered from the hands of the politicians and bureaucrats into the hands of other politicians and bureaucrats. Never got down to the people. So when the money comes from government goes to government and is administered by the government, the result will be what? Bigger government. So these individuals who dominated the conference at the Bretton Woods conference were well-known Fabian Socialist. I may do one program just on Fabian Socialist at some point because you, you've got to understand how much, this is Bible Prophecy 101. A socialistic, communistic, one-world governing body. John prophesied about it 2,000 years ago, and we are living through this right now. 
So these guys at this Bretton Woods conference, you hear Bretton Woods conference and it happened here in the United States and you think, well, hey, that was a good thing. Oh, no, it wasn't. These were the, the guys who were over this were Fabian socialists from England. Uh, the guy's name was John Maynard Keynes and the assistant secretary of the U.S. Treasury. Get this, Harry Dexter White. Remember, when I talked to you about him here in just a minute, he was the assistant secretary of our United States Treasury. Harry Dexter White. White became the first executive director for the United States at the International Monetary Fund. Now listen at this. The Fabians, they were an elite group of intellectuals who agreed with communists as the goal of socialism, but they disagreed over the tactics. Communists advocated revolution by just walk in and take over by force, by violence, Fabians advocated gradual and the trans- gradualism, I should say, and the transformation of society through legislation, through making laws and, and different things. But listen at this. Harry Dexter White, he was a member of a communist espionage ring. Remember, he was assistant secretary to the U.S. Treasury in the United States, and he was a member of a communist espionage ring. Espionage ring. And, consequently, hidden from view, there was a complex drama that was taking place in which the two intellectual founders of the Bretton Woods Accords were a Fabian Socialist and a Communist. And they worked together to bring about their mutual goal, World Socialism. You say, but Dave, I thought you said the uh, International Monetary Fund and the World Bank were located here in the Washington, D.C., that's exactly what I said. Now, capital for the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank comes from these industrialized nations with the United States putting up most of the funds. These funds consist partly of hard currencies, such as obviously the dollar, the yen, uh, the mark, the franc, around the world, but these are augmented by many times that amount in the form of credits. And these are merely promises by the member governments to give the money from their taxpayers, i.e. Dave Robbins, End Time Ministries, and all of you guys, if the bank gets into trouble with its loans. So, while the International Monetary Fund is gradually evolving into this, basically a world central bank, the World Bank is serving as its lending arm And as such, it has become the engine for transferring wealth. What's the number one plank of socialism? Wealth redistribution. So the World Bank, as the lending arm of this uh, union, has become the engine for transferring wealth from the industrialized nations to the underdeveloped nations. Again, I told you, it's going from government to government And it's ran by government, so what does that mean? It just means bigger government. It does not mean that uh, these South African or uh, South American countries are getting richer. The people are still just as poor as they were, if not poorer. But yet it's the bankers and all of the government officials that are getting hugely wealthy. Okay? So the Bank for International Settlements deals... You say, well, how are these all uh, tied in together? Well, there's the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank. Then you have the Bank for International Settlements, which deals strictly with the central banks of the world 
It is the central banker's bank. But listen at this. The uh, Reuters reported back in July 9th that the Bank for International Settlements, the International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank made a joint call for global cooperation on central bank digital currencies. They're all working together, folks. They're not all working against each other. No, it's not going to happen because what are we creating? We're creating a world government. You've got to control the economies of the world to have a world government. So, once nations become financially dependent on these loans from these institutions, I'm talking about the underdeveloped nations of the world, even the United States borrows money from the Federal Reserve. So, how do they keep their nations running? Because it's established that they will borrow money from the World Bank or the Federal Reserve or whatever, and... Once a nation becomes financially dependent on these loans from these institutions, then guess what? There's a 10 million strings attached to all of that, and it can become a method of economic sanctioning and control. Remember what I said earlier. The mark of the beast, uh, the mark of the beast will be a, a, an economic controlling sanctioning system. Economic sanctioning now it's countries and uh, entities that don't want to bow down to the edicts of the world government, then the economic sanction them. So let me just give you an idea, because eventually it's going to trickle down to people, and, it, and it's getting there. I mean, look at the, the truckers um, that had their accounts frozen and different things, and now there's doctors and different things that have been speaking out against these COVID vaccines and telling the truth about COVID and all these things. Now they're starting to get their bank accounts frozen. Okay? So it's economic sanctioning. If they can get you to where you can't function in society, it's all a method of control because they do not want you to know the truth about some of these pandemics and some of the cures for it and uh, hydrochloroquine and all this other stuff. They don't want you to know about ivermectin. (gasps) Don't say ivermectin. we got to push the vaccine, 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 right? And so uh, uh, this is what's going on in our world. But what they want you to pay attention to is, um, you know, who's going to win the next NBA championship. And, uh, you know, Disney's acting out. And, you know, this little thing, trinket over here and this and that, rather than what is hitting you right between the eyes. And so I want to make sure that you understand the truth about all this. Let me give you an example. This comes from Al Jazeera. The title of the article is this, The World Bank. Now, I just explained to you about the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, right? And their goal was established. Bretton Woods, the leaders were um, Keynes, and I can't remember the other guy's name right now, but anyway, they, they were both leading towards pushing global socialism. Well... Now, this Al Jazeera article, this was just a couple days ago, the World Bank halts new loans to Uganda over their anti-LGBTQ law. So, here Uganda is, a underdeveloped nation, very poor, but yet because they passed some anti-LGBTQ laws, now I want you to understand, in the United States of America, it was illegal to commit the act of sodomy in all 50 states, all the way up until 1960, in America. Okay? Our founders recognized that we cannot have that 
those types of lifestyles in our society. So it was against the law up until 1960. Well, there are nations around the world. Now, of course, under the Obama administration, it's been legalized. But there are still countries around the world that do not, that have laws against LGBTQ uh, lifestyles in their society because it's a chosen lifestyle. Those people were not born that way. Don't ever let anybody feed you the lie that, hey, I I was born that way. That's not true. Uh, And that's, that's a lie that's been fed to you by the media. But that simply is not true. People were, God created male and female. Genesis chapter 1, that's it. Now, how, so in some of these countries, they, pass, they still have laws on the books against that. Well, now the World Bank is threatening to withhold these loans that they loan to these countries because, hey, if you've got these laws that don't go with the international community and the United Nations and all of these global institutions, then this world government we're trying to create, we are pro-LGBTQ. So, Uganda, if you're going to keep these uh, laws on your books, then we're going to withhold the loans that you need to function as a country. Well, what, what do you think Uganda's going to do? Here they are sitting there basically destitute, except for their, the uh, people at the helm of the government. They're the ones that are fabulously wealthy. And so you can see here a system of economic sanctioning. Get this, the article states the U.S.-based lender. It's, this is not Europe. This is not Russia or China or North Korea. The U.S.-based lender says that controversial anti-gay laws that are contradict its values, the World Bank. So the World Bank announced that it's going to halt these loans to Uganda over the country's anti-LGBTQ laws. So, the Washington, D.C.-based lender said that it would pause project financing pending a review of measures it introduced to protect sexual and gender minorities from discrimination and exclusion. We believe, it says, our vision to eradicate poverty on a livable planet can only succeed if it includes everyone irrespective of race, gender, and sexuality. This law undermines those efforts. Inclusion and non-discrimination sit at the heart of our work, the World Bank, around the world. So, the World Bank is also going to increase these third-party monitoring and grievance redress mechanisms, allowing them to take corrective action if necessary. Now, this is the World Bank, you guys. And the World Bank said in May that the law would not be, was not consistent with their lender's values and that they were highly concerned. And so now you have them economically sanctioning a country because they were not bowed down to the edicts of the world governing body. And I'm telling you, the Bible says there's going to be a world government in play in the end time. And they're going to use economic sanctioning, the mark of the beast, economic sanctioning to get people to bow down to their edicts. Folks, we're seeing that happening as we speak. It's Prophecy 101. They better understand what is taking place. Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given. 
given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. Okay, man, I, can you tell? Can you tell? I am pumped about this stuff. I mean, how did John, two thousand years ago, exiled out on the Isle of Pappas, how did he know that there was going to be an economic sanctioning system just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ? How did he know that? Because the one who was telling him what to write knows the end from the beginning. God knows, God's already seen all this stuff play out. So he went back and he said, John, guess what? In this chapter of Revelation, <laughs> here's what I want you to write, which I know the chapters weren't divided up back then, but I'm saying that's how the Bible's divided up now. In chapter 13, I want you to write about a world government, a world religion, the leaders of both of them, the spiritual entity that will drive them, which will be the dragon or Satan. And I want you to write about in Revelation 13, 16 through 18, an economic sanctioning system. And people that will not comply with the world governing body, they're going to be economically sanctioned. They won't be able to function in society. And that's what the Antichrist is going to use. And the Bible says, listen, folks, the Bible says most of the world, everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, will worship, will pledge allegiance to, will comply with the edicts of, will bow down to this world governing body. Because if you don't have Jesus Christ to rely on and to put your faith in and to put your hope and faith and trust in and to rely on and be spirit-led, what else do you have? You say, well, Dave, I'm pretty smart. I'm going to use my intellect to get me through the end times. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. We're going to have to keep our wits about us. Yes, we will have to be watched and be sober. But the Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. I'm going to have my arms wrapped around Jesus Christ. I'm going to have a relationship with him like I've never had because I've got to have his voice in my ear and saying, hey, end time ministry is going to have to pivot here. Dave, you and your wife, you're going to have to do this. I want you to talk to this person. Go here, teach this Bible study, do that. And I've got to learn to pivot when the Holy, the Bible says there were times in the New Testament when the Holy Ghost would, uh, the Holy Ghost forbade them to go at a certain place. The Bible says they were going to go to one place and preach. The Bible says the Holy Ghost forbid them. And then they, and then the Apostle Paul would have a dream and, and 
somebody from, and he saw a hand from Macedonia say, hey, come over here. And Paul knew that the Lord was speaking to him. Hey, I've got to go to Macedonia and preach. But the Holy Ghost forbid them for doing certain things. When we get into these end times, which I, this is the way I live my life now. But I'm saying, if you don't know, if you've never, if you're not functioning that way, we need to have some conversations on that. Because I, I, you know, a lot of people, one of the biggest questions I get here at End Time Ministries, how are we going to function? What do I put my money in? Uh, You know, how am I, what do I do? Store up food? I got to go live in a cave. What am I going to do? The absolute number one thing I can tell you, be born again. Number one. Number two, get you a daily prayer life. Study God's word. God word. God's word has the answers to most of this. But the Bible says God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I have to know the word of God. But I also have to have a spiritual relationship with him. That comes through a daily prayer life. I pray every single day. And so I can tune in to what the Spirit is saying. It's like um, I'm, I'm sitting in a television studio here. And there are billions of radio waves and television waves and, and uh, live streams and just things going. Th- you can't see them, but they're just flowing through here. And if I can set a radio here on the desk and I can tune in, I can bring up a country station, I can bring up a religious talk show, I can bring up sports, but I've got to tune in because they're all, there's all kinds of things vying for my attention. But I can tune in to what I want to listen to, right? It's the same thing when you're praying. When I pray, I'm tuning out the world. And I'm tuning into the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, I love you. I praise you. I worship you. So thankful for what you did on Calvary. I I thank you for my family. I thank you for end time. All the souls that are being saved. We're reaching people around the world. I thank you for the Jerusalem Prophecy College. You've You've blessed us so much. And people are being saved all over the world as a result of my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, and all of our efforts to reach souls. Now, that's prayer. That's all prayer is. Everybody likes to make it some kind of weird seance, mysticism, wacky stuff. No. Come on. Prayer is simply a relationship with the Lord and just simply a conversation. I can sit down with my wife and have, and have dinner. We've been married 35 years. And we, we went together. I mean, we've really liked each other since she was eight years old and I was nine years old. Okay? I mean, we just we were made for each other. But after all these years, 40 plus years, I can sit down with my wife and we can have a conversation like we just met each other. Because we've got a very, very, very close relationship. She, I can look at her and she'll say, I know, but I don't want to go there to eat tonight. I want to go so-and-so. She knows by looking at me where I want to go eat. That's the craziest thing. I can start a sentence and she'll finish it. And so it's because we have this close relationship. Well, it's the same way with the Lord. When I, if you pray on a daily life, if you pray on a daily uh, consistency, then the Lord will be, you can find, and you're studying the Word of God and you're doing the best you can to live for Him, He'll begin to impress things upon your mind. And you say, I've got stuff coming at me from every angle. Dave, I'm so busy and this world's crazy and I'm dealing with inflation and all this. And I'm like, I understand. 
But just like I told you, there's radio and television waves and all kinds of things flying through this studio. If I set a radio up here, I can tune in. I can tune all that out and tune in a certain station, and it comes in crystal clear. It's the same way with prayer. I can tune in to the Lord and say, okay, I'm not washing the car right now. I'm not doing it, not talking on my phone. Get off the computer. I'm going to talk to you, Lord. And over time, listen to me, the Lord will begin to talk back to you and say, it'll impress. And you can tell when it's the Lord and it's not just your own thinking. And so I have had that happen to me many, 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 many times. And when I act upon that, the Lord blesses that and things happen and people are saved. And this is how things are functioning in our lives. It's called being spirit led. They that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. And so the way we're going to make it through these end times is I've got to be born again. Number one, Jesus said, except a man's born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. And then I, the Bible says after they were born again in Acts chapter two, you can read this. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine the fellowship, breaking in bread, and in prayers. They continued steadfastly. Bible says that, oh, I was born one day, uh, born again one day, and then uh, I just never, I just, you know, I, I, would, I didn't want to be a part of church. I just want to be born again, and then I just wanted to leave my own life, and I don't want to be spirit-led. I'm going to, I want to do what I want to do. Then you got a problem, because humans will mess things up. You, you're not smart enough to make it through these end times with your own intellect, it's not going to happen. You're going to need to be led by the Spirit of God. You're going to need to pray. You're going to need to get a relationship with God for yourself. And it, you need to really become a part of a, a body of like-minded believers. That's why it's so important that you become, once you're born again, you're part of the bride of Christ. So, hey, I better be, I better be at a, I, I need to join a church. I need to be part of a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. The church is your strength. The church will help you in times of trouble. And so it's very, very important that because I am in touch with thousands of churches, churches look to us for direction and say, okay, Dave, I want you to come to a conference. I want you to tell my church, give them an update, keep us what's going, tell us what's going on. And, And that's why we do so many prophecy conferences. And so it's very, very critical that you understand how are we going to make it through these times just ahead. I'm going to recognize there's a world government, a world religion. There's a mark of the beast. There's going to be a World War III coming up. There is going to be a peace agreement signed. There's going to be great end time revival. I'm going to understand these prophecies of the Bible. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to study. And I'm going to seek God's face. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do God's will in my life. And God will help lead and guide you just like he did the children of Israel out in the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God was leading and guiding them. That was a, that was a type and shadow, folks, of God leading and guiding us by the power of the Holy Ghost right now, throughout the New Testament and right now. It's, the, it's a type and shadow of the exact same thing. God fed them uh, manna and quail. And so God will take care of us, but the thing is, you've got to be led by the Spirit of God be born again, trust Him. A lot of people, they are trusting in themselves. That, that's, you, you can't do that. Humans have proven that they screw stuff up. Let's face it. Everybody makes mistakes. We got flesh. So we're going to do some crazy thing. Do the best you can and let God do the rest. 
If you're relying upon yourself, yikes. I mean, you've got to rely upon God. And so that's why it's of utmost importance. I'm going to be preaching prayer and study the Word of God and relying upon God all the way to the end, folks. Now, there may come a time when we would talk about some finances and we would talk about things like that. But everybody always wants to go to that. I'll give me the, Dave, give me this next stock tip. That's not my job. My job is to get you prepared for heaven. If I can get you prepared for heaven, God will help you along the way. Okay? I hope you guys are getting this. It's so much more than me helping. Now, do I talk about investments and things like that? Yeah, we do. Occasionally. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not above telling you what I'm doing. But I'm just telling you that the, the, I'm trying to help you in your walk with God and you drawing closer to the Lord in your relationship with Him. Folks, listen to me. I'm not trying to get in your pocketbook. That's not what we're doing here. I'm trying to get you to heaven. If, if we can get everybody that listens to us, your, if your feet leave the ground when the rapture happens, guess what? End Time Ministries was a smashing success. But that's our goal here. Preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God because the end time is now. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about some things, how to navigate some stuff. Don't do this, do that. Go here, don't go there. We'll talk about all of that. But the number one thing is that you become a spirit-led individual. Without being spirit-led, you're going to be stuck. And I, I know that everybody wants this great self-help book and all this other stuff. But I'm t- I've got the self-help book, and it's called the Bible. That's the, that's, the, that's the number one self-help book out there. It was written by God Almighty. This, is, this book is God's Word. You want a self-help book to get you through all your mess. You don't need it from some doctor in New York or some kind of of um, psychologists or any of this other stuff. There's some good books out there. I get it. But some people go straight to those books and won't read this book. This is God's Word. Imagine reading a book that God wrote. God is the author. I've got one of those in my hands right now. And so you want a self-help book, folks. And guess what? It's on Amazon. And God doesn't get any royalties from it. Think about that. What a travesty. (laughs) So it's very important, you guys. I just want everybody to go to heaven. That's it. That's our goal here at End Time Ministries. And wow, so much going on. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. 
You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Let me make sure that you understand the guy who was the assistant secretary of the U.S. Treasury and became the first executive director of the United States um, at the International Monetary Fund was Harry Dexter White, and he was a communist, okay? So just want to make sure you guys got that because, wow, these guys are located here in the United States where the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank is, and it's all about world Socialism, which is Bible Prophecy 101. Okay, so let's go to world religion. Bible prophesies, Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 through 15. John said, I saw another beast come up, uh, coming, up out of the, uh, coming up out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, but it spake like a dragon. It's a world religious system. But the dragon, the dragon, Satan himself, is still behind this entity. He's the principal driver because he's trying to be deceptive. But the goal, the Bible says this entity will use its, the, the power of the first beast to cause those in the world and to, and to cause satanic miracles, to cause those in the world to worship or follow after the first beast, the Antichrist and his world governing body. So, there's going to be a world religion that is established, and its goal will be to use its influence in the religions of the world to advocate for this one world governing body. Okay? Now, let's talk about world religion today. Um, uniting all religions. They knew they had to do that. My father-in-law interviewed Robert Mueller, the Assistant Secretary General of the, to the Secretary General of the United Nations years ago, and he said, Irvin, look, we've brought the world, got this world government as far as we can politically. We've got to have the religions of the world on board. What we need really is a United Nations of Religions. The guy's name was Robert Mueller. Well, now you have efforts to unite all the religions. It's, it's by grand design. The, the, the moves towards interfaithism in the world were not an accident, folks. Back in 1893... The first Parliament of World's Religions was held back in uh, Chicago. And its stated goal was to cultivate harmony among the world's religions and spiritual communities and to foster their engagement with the world and its guiding institutions in order to achieve a just, peaceful, and sustainable world. It's talking about world government, folks. So... That was 1893. 100 years later, you had, uh, in 1993, you had the Parliament of World's Religions and their 100-year anniversary. So, in 93, this is a very, this is a turning point in this world religious system. In 93, the Parliament of World's Religions was held at the 100th anniversary in Chicago, and of uh, the 100th anniversary of the first Parliament of the World's Religions. And at that, there were Catholics, Protestants, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, Sikhs, Astorians, Wiccans, which were witches, indigenous people. I mean, they, they, it doesn't matter what you believe. 
If you're a religious, spiritual individual, come one, come all. Doesn't matter what you worship. You hear that? So many others were in attendance. Some people believed in one God. Some people believed in thousands of gods. So at that meeting in 93, they adopted what was called a global ethic. It was authored by an eminent Catholic theologian. His name was Hans Kung, K-U-N-G. And, of course, a global ethic is a um, global belief system, let's say. So the essence of the global ethic uh, was really captured. There's three key quotes from that document. One of them was, hey, we want to, we affirm that a common set of core values is found in the teachings of the religions. It did not say one religion. There's a common core in all the religions and that these form the basis for a global ethic, a global belief system that all religions can agree upon. Because imagine sitting there with people that believe in one God and then Wiccans and then Hindus, which believe in thousands of gods. Okay? So, that's number one. Number two was there already exist ancient guidelines from, for human behavior which are found in the teachings of the religions. It does not say the Bible. If it was found in the teachings of the Bible, I'd be on board with it. But not when it says found in the teachings of the religions, plural, I'm out. It says it's found, there, there's a, um, they're found in the teachings of the religions of the world, which are the condition for a sustainable world order. These words are in the document. I'm quoting from the document right now. This global ethic that was written by Hans Kuhn. He also says, you know what? We need to sink our narrow differences for the cause of the world community, practicing a culture of solidarity and relatedness. Now, sink our narrow differences. Think about that. Narrow differences such as, was Jesus God? Or was he not? Now, listen to me very closely. If you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, came to the earth to purchase a plan of salvation. He died. He was buried. The one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob died, was buried, rose again. And... He purchased a plan of salvation. He shed his blood on Calvary. And the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So he purchased a plan of salvation for us. Now, that's the essence of our Christian belief system. If you don't believe Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, then you have no promise of eternal life, of you being taken up in that day. So, Narrow differences such as, was, was Jesus God? Was he not? Or was he the Messiah? Or was he not? Was he crucified on the cross? Or was he not? I mean, narrow differences? Or is Allah God? Is Jehovah God? Is Brahma God? Is God a tree? Is God the moon? Is God a spiritual Ouija board? Is he in a crystal ball? Is he in crystals? Is he in a um, 
I don't remember what they call them things. Uh, a um, your uh, deal where you look to the stars to see your future and all that stuff. But narrow differences. I mean, come on, all those people are there. Narrow differences is what they said in the global ethic. Why? So the internationalists can realize the dream of a world community and one world government. Now, folks, this is the thinking that drives interfaithism. Bring all the religions, come one, come all. In amongst all of them is one basic global belief system. Doesn't matter really what you believe, but there's this one thing that we can all agree upon for the cause of a world government. Now, Revelation 13, 11 through 15, says that there will be a world religion created and it will use its powers, its mystical, satanic powers, to cause the world, use its influence to cause them, the religious system, and those that are in the world to follow after this one world governing system. You guys, this is Bible Prophecy 101 again. There's a world government being established. There's a world religion being established. And the world government is already using its economic sanctioning powers to get countries to come into alignment and bow down to its edicts. They believe in an LGBTQ, those lifestyles, the, the international community. So Uganda, I'm sorry, but we're not going to give you any more loans until you bow down to our edicts. Get those laws off your books or we're... Cinching up the purse strings. Sorry, economic sanctioning. Now, that, I've just walked down through Revelation 13, folks. That is Satan's effort to establish his kingdom in the earth. You heard my father-in-law years ago when, we had, when our program was called Politics and Religion. He said, Satan, uh, politics is Satan's method of ruling the world. The church is God's method of ruling the world. I think we ought to talk about it. Politics and religion. And so I didn't say all religions. I said the church. There's not two ways to be saved. There's one way. That's through Jesus Christ. I'm just being honest. That's it. Jesus said, except you believe I am he, you'll die in your sins. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So I can't, as a God-called minister, say, well, you know, I think there may be two ways. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. There's one way. That's it. Now, I know that that's not politically correct. I understand that. But I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm trying to be biblically correct. I want to see people, when that trumpet sounds, people's feet start to leave the ground. That's what I want to see. I want to stare God right in the face and say, we taught it right. We taught it right. We taught the truth. In the face of all the peer pressure and all the chaos going on in this world, we taught the truth. And now I get to spend eternity with you. I'll get to stare Jesus in the face someday and say that. I'm going to spend eternity with you. And he's going to say, yes, you are. Not because of anything I did, but because of everything he did on Calvary. So, the Parliament for World's uh, Religions 
um, th- in this August, this global ethics uh, symposium is celebrating the 30-year anniversary. Remember that happened in 93. The Parliament of World's Religions that started today, August 14th, it's celebrating the 30-year 30 years of the parliaments, get this, their foundational document towards a global ethic. That global ethic, which was written by Hans Kuhn, the Parliament of World's Religions, is saying that this is our foundational document. This is our signature document. And that we, ought, we believe in that there's something in all the religions of the world that they can agree on that will allow us to use that influence to push all of them to push the world governing body. They're pushing climate change. They're pushing all sustainable development. They're pushing all these global governing propaganda situations at the Parliament of World's Religions. Why? Because they're trying to influence these religions to get on board with the world governing entity and to advocate for that. Because these priests and preachers and witches and all these other things, they're influential over their congregations. So if we can get the people in charge to be involved in this, then the pastor will stand and say, church, we're pushing um, for sustainable development, or we're pushing, we're going to help, uh, help them with climate change, even though it's absolute propaganda. But they know these religious figures, if we can get them on board, they'll influence the religions of the world. Folks, that's interfaithism 101. The Bible says there's going to be a world religion established in the end time, that will do that very thing. So, wow, what do we do? I'm never going to be a part of that. I absolutely will never be a part of that. Can't. I'm going to put my hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's my only hope. And I'm telling you what, if you will do that, He will take you through any situation. The Bible says, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. So I'm holding to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, When I come... Will I find faith on the earth? I'm putting my hope and faith and trust in Jesus, folks, because that's my only ticket out here, and it's yours as well. 